It's time for Love Talk with the Love Ladies, Kathy, Carrie, and Evelyn. Love talking today about decisions. Thank you, Gavin. This is Evelyn Davison, and this is Love Talk. And in the studio today is Miss... Hello, friends. This is Coach Carrie Brinkater. It is great to be with you today. And we have our beautiful friend, Kathy Enderbrock, is in studio with us today, hanging out in Texas this week. I am having such a great time in Texas. <laughs> it is beautiful weather. Been in the 70s. <laughs> I mean, I've had to scrap half the clothes that I've brought. <laughs> Literally yesterday, I had a short sleeve shirt on. I'm so it's just great. Well, come by my house and I'll redress you. <laughs> yeah. Your Idaho, your Idaho clothes are not welcome here, Kathy. Yeah, oh. that's right. I kind of, I've kind of figured that out at this point. Yeah, literally, I went out and bought sandals yesterday because really? I, I have my. See, I'm wearing boots right now. I have my, I have mm-hmm. my beautiful boots on, and um, which boots are always in in Texas, right? Absolutely. It doesn't matter, but mm-hmm. uh, I did have to go out and buy sandals just to allow my my toes to experience <laughs> the sunshine. <laughs> oh goodness! Well, it is always, always great to have you here, and friends, welcome to Love Talk here on KTXW, the Bridge. Austin, Central Texas, Christian Talk, where we are building bridges of love and leadership. Of course, you guys know Miss Evelyn Davison, who has had a vision for Love Talk 35 years ago, and we are still here, which is amazing. We have a special guest today. We can't wait to introduce you to her. We have been in a series on decisions, and Kathy, this has been a phenomenal series, and I have loved every second of it, mm. and we've just got a couple more weeks in this series, and I'm kind of sad about it that we're wrapping up. <laughs> I think, well, you know, I'll dig, go to the cemetery and dig up some new stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, I, I was actually listening to the radio on the way here. I, You know, when you do radio, you start to listen to a mm-hmm. lot more radio, and they're talking about everything going on in San Antonio and the uproar around moving Houston's grave, and I thought... Well, why on earth would they ever even consider that? So it's amazing some of the things that we consider digging mm-hmm. up. But mm-hmm. it's interesting, you know, this um, series that we've been on in decisions, there's a lot of decisions that God has had me go back, and he's kind of dug up some decisions mm-hmm. that I've made in mm-hmm. the past. And one of the things that we're going to learn in today's program as we talk with, with this amazing guest that I'm so excited to have, you know, sometimes we can make some really bad decisions, But God has a way of going back, digging them up, turning the dirt over, and planting something beautiful to grow Mm -hmm. there. And so, friends, I'm just excited to talk with you about life-changing decisions. Mm -hmm. Maybe some of the decisions that, you know, we've made have not been the best ones, but God has a way to go and turn that soil, plant something beautiful and uh, use maybe that bad decision to all of a sudden bring about something beautiful in someone else's life. Absolutely. What a great analogy that is and a beautiful picture as you imagine that in your mind. Our key verse for today from Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. Philippians 4, 8. I love that verse. It just really encompasses every second of our lives, right? I mean, whatever is true and beautiful and lovely, think on these things. Get get away from the negativity. Get away from the things that would distract us. And think about those things that are admirable and lovely and right and noble. 
Absolutely. And, you know, it's so easy to go negative, and I think mm-hmm. it's part oh. of that sin in us and and that is kind of in the world as well, is it's so easy to think the negative thoughts. It's so easy to have the negative perspective. And it, it can start to consume you if you don't very purposefully take that thought captive, turn your mind to the good and the admirable and the praiseworthy and the excellent and the noble and the pure and all of these wonderful things and and just cleanse your mind with those things. Turn your thoughts to those things. And it's amazing how you can have a, a real about face when we focus on thinking about the things that God would have us think about. That's why we have the word. That's right. <laughs> and Miss Evelyn, you've been thinking of things that are true and lovely and beautiful with National Day of Prayer coming up. Well, it is very um, busy right now <laughs> as we prepare. And, uh, of course, it's... Um, We are seeking, um, again, uh, to have Ann Graham Lotz with us, and she's commissioned to do that. We had planned to do um, a luncheon with her at a large church in town, but she had a little setback, and so they're, you know, watching her her routine a little bit better. But, you know, our our theme for today as we are thinking about the weeks ahead is so precious out of um, the book of Philippians. Uh, But, you know, what happened to me, I think, is the fact that um, all week I've been thinking about what it is God wants me to pray over Mm. because he acts upon the heart of his people. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's just so many things going on. Uh, our new book. I'm uh, excited yeah, about it. It's I'm almost here. It I've got till about next Thursday to finish my part, and I had computer problems, and so Jim McGee, our beloved friends, coming today to straighten all that out. And uh, it Van um, got the grandchildren, a few of them together, and uh, bought apples and. He was at the end of the table, long table, about like this, and um, he had um, apples, and he gave each one of them an apple, and then he read the scripture, you are the apple of my eye, and that's part of our get it up and go in the book, and so many things are going on. Uh, when, you know, God speaks, people listen, if you know it's God's voice, mm. and I think that's so reasonable. Uh, other people think, how? Can you go by something that's, you know, that old and that out of date? You go because it is the heart message from the one that loved us, the one that made us, the one that is keeping us, and the one that we adore and love. And this is exciting. I don't care how old you are. It's exciting. Oh, Miss Evelyn. Or how young you are. I know. Or how young you are. (laughs) What a joy. Every single day of your 89 years is spent praising the Lord. Almost 89. Almost 89. (laughs) I love it. Kathy, you are here in Texas gracing us with your presence, and we're so thrilled to have you in studio. You're a busy gal. You're not only visiting your daughter, who's in college at Baylor, and your oldest daughter, I should say. Uh, Your 16-year-old is writing a junior thesis and you're writing a prayer uh, journal for a women's Bible study? Yeah, well, you know, I was approached by a church in San Antonio, funny enough, and they asked, uh, would I be willing to write a Bible Bible study to teach uh, women how to pray and to model it after our very first CD that we ever produced, which is Prayer for Beginners. 
And um, so I talked to the board about it, and they were very excited. And so I committed to that, and I had no idea what an undertaking that was. <laughs> I mean, you know, that is – I have, have a big eraser. It, <laughs> it has given me a whole new respect for Beth Moore and Priscilla Shire and all of these incredible uh-huh. women who write these Bible studies and – uh, there is, there's a lot, a lot to it. So I'm working on that and, um, uh, my junior, my second daughter, she's working on her junior thesis, um, and it's looking at the conversion of Muslims in the Middle East. Yes. I mean, it's, now we've, oh. we've interviewed Tom Doyle on our program mm-hmm. about this. We need to have him come we, back. I, I do. Know. He's going to be coming. He's actually in Saudi Arabia right now. And, uh, but he and his wife, Joanne, I think we're going to be having them on, in the fall sometime, he's coming out with another book. So, But uh, my daughter read his book, Dreams and Visions, and then Seeking All of Finding Jesus by Qureshi. And she fell in love with it and thought it was so fantastic. And um, she, she, I mean, she actually has teachers who, says, who say, you know, Christ does not appear in Dreams and Visions anymore. That stopped in Revelation. And so she said, well, how come it's happening then? And so she decided to do her entire junior thesis around that topic. Do should mm-hmm. the Christian church accept dreams and visions as the convert um, in the conversion of Muslims? And so Love she's it. really uh, oh. getting in there, and we're having a fun time. Love it. And Tom Doyle was so gracious; he gave us uh, he she interviewed him by a phone and about he gave her about 30 or 40 minutes and just even pulled back the curtain on everything that's happening in the Middle East right now Mm. with I mean imams more and more imams accepting Christ and completely turning from Islam just amazing wow that Kathy what a great what a big undertaking um, I've been asked to be <clears throat> camp pastor again this summer for youth camp. And so I, I get a little bit of taste of what you're going through. You know, writing four sermons. Holy cow. It's Try a, a book. I know, right? <laughs> it's a lot of work. Um, and, but it's fun. And I just, I feel like I'm growing every single day. So it's, it's great to do God's work and to learn new things. Kathy, I think we have enough time for you to inter, for you to introduce our in-studio guests today. Yeah, okay, friends, you are going to love this gal. And her name is Monica Klein. And she was introduced to me in an email, uh, from a friend. And she has an incredible background, um, but an even more incredible future. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you a little bit about, about Monica. So she is a former Title X family planning training manager and, and an educator working with Planned Parenthood. Her, she had a career in HIV prevention, comprehensive sex education, family planning that lasted over a decade. She adopted the Planned Parenthood philosophy of meet people where they are at, but be okay with leaving them there. I mean, kind of a, that's unusual. I'm glad that she had a turning away from that, but that was, that, that was and is the philosophy. But after years of witnessing firsthand that that treatment approach does more harm than good, a defining life event made Monica question the twisted versions of facts that she was selling to others as truth. And now today, as as the founding director of It Takes a Family, Monica boldly expresses the whole truth behind comprehensive sex education and the harm it does to our children, our families, and our community. 
Monica's goal is to encourage parents to take on their God-given role as the primary educator for their children. And she accomplishes this by equipping families with the resources and skills necessary to strengthen families' trust and confidence. Monica's belief is that it does take a family to raise strong children, to build healthy communities, and to form a great nation. Welcome, Monica. Thank you for having me here. I'm excited to be on your radio show. Oh, listeners, you are not going to want to miss what Monica, the wisdom that she's going to share from heartbreak to beautiful freedom in Jesus Christ when we return to Love Talk right after this. And welcome back, friends. This is Kathy Endebrock here on Love Talk in studio with Coach Carrie Brinkater and the beautiful Miss Evelyn Davison. <sighs> and the, <laughs> the very special guest that we have with us is Monica Klein. And friends, we are so excited to share Monica with you today. We're talking about life-changing decisions. In our first segment, we did get through this intro of Monica, and I just, I'm just going to really abbreviate this here. Monica, you worked with basically family planning training and Planned Parenthood and, uh, and, and looked at HIV prevention, comprehensive sex education and family planning management. And you, and, and you adopted, because, you know, with your mentors mentoring over you, you adopted this Planned Parenthood philosophy of meet people where they're at, but be okay with leaving them there. And you really witnessed firsthand over this decade of service that this treatment approach does more harm than good. The comprehensive sex education that is, um, that is out there is hurting our children and that as parents and in our families, we need to take over our God-given role and really step up and step into this void um, to really build healthy families, healthy mm-hmm. communities, and a healthy nation. Mm-hmm. So, um, now, Carrie, I know that you have a, an, a question for Monica, and so I just want to turn it over to you so we can dig straight in. Yeah, Monica, it's very interesting. You know, living in Austin, uh, there's a lot going on with the curriculum for sex education with children, and yeah. you spent you know, this early part of your career as an outspoken activist, a trainer, an educator for sexual freedom, homosexuality, abortion, and pretty graphic sex education among grade school children. Yet, you sit here today with us standing firmly against these very things. What happened? Wow. Well, you know, what I have to say is that I, you know, I did grow up in a family that uh, believed that a God existed, but we did not attend a church. And so what ended up happening is that I, you know, my, the, the world really taught me what morality was and what values were. Uh, and especially when I came to college uh, here at UT Austin, um, I definitely, since I did not have a foundation in the truth of God, I allowed the world to teach me. Mm. And so even though at that time I didn't even label myself as a liberal, <laughs> but looking back, I did all those things. Um, and, and a lot of it had to do with my own personal hurts when I was just a young girl. So, for example, and, and this happens a lot because there's such a high rate of child sexual abuse, especially among young girls, is that I learned because I had been sexually abused as a little girl and at that age, um, you know, you're a very concrete thinker. Children only think black and white. It's very simple for mm-hmm. them. So I got it in my head that boys do this, but girls are the victims. And so mm-hmm. as I found myself going to college at UT and being surrounded by all these different, you know, uh, liberal mindsets about sexual freedom and that the strength of a woman is to take hold of her sexuality and to express it and to, uh, in many ways, to even emulate a promiscuous male, that that was... 
um, somehow strengthening uh, to a woman. Um, and that, unfortunately, was a message that um, that I accepted because of the brokenness of my past, mm. because I had already been broken. And so I found myself just being a part of that, not realizing that there were, you know, as I was seeking this out, that I was still hurting myself. So then at the same time, you know, this is the 90s. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just a decade after HIV Everyone had heard about it in the 80s, right? Mm-hmm. And people were so afraid of HIV. And so um, even though I had this brokenness in me, I also had great compassion for people, and especially the marginalized. Uh, being Hispanic, coming from poverty, I had a real heart for anyone who, you know, was going through that, and especially children who'd been abused as well. So that was a lot of my work. But what I ended up finding out, um, or for example, the re- why did I even start this career? I chose this organization, which was um, a gay organization, because I knew that I had relatives who identified as homosexual. They didn't live among our family anymore because Mm -hmm. of shame or not being accepted. Um, And one of my relatives ended up getting HIV and dying. Mm -hmm. And so I decided I'm going to, you know, volunteer at this organization, a gay organization that was doing HIV prevention. And it was part of my compassion to want to serve. And I wanted to know what my my, uh, relative's life was like. Um, And unfortunately, I learned a lot. Mm -hmm. And I learned about his suffering. But without God's truth, I didn't realize there was another way. And so my compassion took me to this place. And I learned so many things that, yes, Carrie, like you said, were so graphic. But I didn't realize that it wasn't that it was harmful. Because the world was telling me that Mm -hmm. this is inclusion, that this was good, um, that, that people were born this way. And without knowing God's truth, I accepted that as truth. So what I ended up doing is um, I got quick. I was quickly hired on as an HIV prevention educator. I was working with high risk populations um, in the Austin area. Uh, most of my work was with uh, women of color, uh, all people of color, of childbearing age, um, IV drug users, the homeless, um, and I literally walked the streets of high risk areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they quickly and and because it was a gay organization, they wanted me to learn about the gay culture. So I was immersed in gay culture for over ten years. Mm -hmm. Um, And they quickly, within the first year of training me, they said, you need to go to Planned Parenthood so you can learn how to talk to school-age children. So I go to Planned Parenthood, which was just across the street from our organization, just there on 6th Street. And they sat me down, and I had a private training with the head of sex education for Planned Parenthood of the Austin area. And she began to teach me. And she was telling me all of the just these cases of young girls coming into the clinic with young as 10. I mean, as young as 10 years old with sexually transmitted infections, Um, other things that maybe I shouldn't say on radio, (laughs) to be honest, but it was pretty horrific. And also letting me know that these girls were having abortions that young. Oh, Monica. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I had the same reaction, even though I was very liberal at the time. I knew that wasn't healthy for young girls. I said, you convinced me. Teach me how to teach these girls not to have sex. That's actually what I said. Mm -hmm. But she patted me on the knee and she said, no, dear, we're going to meet them where they're at. And then we're just going to teach them how to do it safer. Mm -hmm. And she said, you see, if we tell them not to have sex, well, then you're not meeting them where you're at, where they're at, and you're judging them. So we're going to teach them how to do it safer, which meant, and I don't know what I'm allowed to say on radio, but which meant using barrier methods, uh, uh, hormonal contraceptives, uh, getting tested for STDs and then getting treated because they will eventually get infected um, and having unplanned pregnancies. And so then, of course, the only option was always abortion. Mm -hmm. 
And I kind of was like, but they're little girls. She's like, yep, Monica, you're going to judge them if you do that. You're going to make them feel uncomfortable. So you have to meet them where they're at and just teach them how to do it safer. And so I accepted that as truth because why? She was the head of sex education of Planned Parenthood. They were receiving funding from the government, Title X funding for family planning uh, and many other types of funding. They were a well-established organization. I thought to my, in my mind, she's the expert. She knows what she's talking about. So I accepted that as truth. But today what I realize is that when we are driven by our compassion, without God's truth, mm-hmm. it can lead down very dark paths. So when we hear people say, oh, but you have to uh, tolerate this. You have to accept this because you have to be compassionate. You have to be loving that, you know, what I learned in when God came into my life is he meets me where I'm at. He meets all of us where we're at. And in my case, he met me like rolling around in the dirt and in the mud looking pretty gross. <laughs> Maybe yeah. the world didn't see that, but he saw that. He met me where I was at, but he did not leave me there. He pulled me out and wanted me to have a better life. And this is the problem with comprehensive sex education and anything that is coming uh, from Planned Parenthood or SECUS or Advocates for Youth or Amaze.org or any of these gender ideologies. It is meeting people where they're at and leaving them there. When you were um, 25 years old, your life took a new direction. What was that? Well, Miss Evelyn, I didn't just teach comprehensive sex education. I lived it. And so I found myself with my own unplanned pregnancy. And at that point, I had been immersed in this education for so long and in this worldly philosophy for so long that in all honesty, I thought I thought of and made an appointment for an abortion. And many people think that, oh, will you really think this through? No. The message, it's its just like branding. The message is so pervasive that that's just your automatic first thought because that is the only option. And you're not thinking about humanity. You're not thinking about that it's a child. You're just thinking about yourself and that this is the automatic first response. This is what I do. And so I made that appointment. But I did know that this was not a happy occasion. And so, um, and the reason I knew that is in college, I had several friends who had experienced abortions, one of which asked me to go with her. And it was a very horrific, depressing, full day of being there at the clinic first thing in the morning at seven in the morning and leaving at seven at night. And it was just a tear filled day. The women were just so broken. It was so obvious. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, you know, could tell you so many details about that. Uh, but what also hit me the most was that it was such a terrible and, and depressing experience. And when my friend came out from the exam room to check out, she was literally just tossed a brown paper bag with pills and antibiotics and barrier methods and told, here you go. Mm. And, you know, and that was it. It was very cold. And so I knew that this experience was not a positive experience. So I, I called that particular friend. And I, I wanted to talk to her, I, not to have her convince me not to do it, but just because I knew it was sad and I wanted her support. I don't know. At the time, I'm thinking, why did I think it was sad? I think maybe just because of that experience. But what she did was she started to celebrate my child. And mm-hmm. I reminded her, no, I have a, an appointment to have an abortion. 
and she she just ignored me. And she just started. She's one of those friends that just doesn't stop talking, you know, no matter what you say. Thank God. Good company. Good company, yeah. And she started to imagine my child as a boy and what his skin color would be like and what the texture of his hair would be like. And then she said, whoa, what if it's a girl, a little Moniquita, which was her nickname for me. And, you know, and just imagine that she'd have my big eyes or my personality. And she started to humanize my child. And I started to think to myself, well, why am I not happy about this? I'm 25 years old, 25 years, you know, years old. I have a full time job. Granted, I'm only making 25 a year. I'm not married. My parents are mad at me because I'm cohabitating with my boyfriend. And I thought, well, if I have this child, my parents are going to be really mad at me. So we're in a we're in a kind of a critical spot here where there's a decision that needs to get made. And we're talking with a friend who has been there, done that, and she's taking an approach that's really surprising you. Mm-hmm. So, friends, we're going to find out the rest of this story. Maybe some of you are right where Monica was at. Maybe you have a friend who is right where Monica was at. We're going to find out the rest of the story. We're going to go and have a word from our sponsors, our amazing, incredible sponsors that have kept us on the on the air for 35 years. You are going to want to stay with us and hear the rest of God's story in Monica's life right after this. Hello, friends, and welcome back to today's Christian Talk. You found the Love Ladies and Love Talk here on KTXW, The Bridge, Austin. We are hearing from our new friend, Monica Klein, and her story of how she was working with a gay organization, uh, all about freedom, homosexuality, sexual freedom, uh, you know, abortions are okay, um, and how to basically meet people where they are and leave them there. Yet Monica was in the middle of telling us a story about a friend who met her where she was when she found herself a 25-year-old single pregnant woman with an appointment for an abortion. And Monica, I, you got me crying over here. What touches me about this story is that your friend, she did meet you where you were, but she didn't leave you there, girl. She she didn't leave you there. She she was asking you to rise up with vivid images of what your child could be like. Oh my goodness, what what a gift that was to you that day. And that's exactly what Jesus does for us. Is he meets us where we are, but he doesn't leave us there. Mm-hmm. So Monica, you're talking to your friend on the phone. She's giving you this visual imagery of what your child could be like, and yet you still have an appointment for an abortion. What happened? Well, like I said, I I started to question it. I started to think, why am I not um, happy about this pregnancy? Um, and and again, literally, my mind in my mind, I was thinking, if I tell my parents that I'm having this baby or that I'm pregnant, they're going to be really mad at me. I mean, they've already disowned me because I was cohabitating. Um, this was even worse. But then it occurred to me, because of my friend who humanized my child, it occurred to me and I thought, am I really going to kill my baby because my parents are going to be mad at me mm. or ashamed? Wow, good point, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, but that was the first time I ever thought baby and child. Mm. That was the first, because, and I really believe it's because my friend humanized my child, mm-hmm. that I was able to think that way. And then I realized my child's life is much more valuable than my need to avoid shame or anger or whatever it is that I was going to face. His life was valuable. And so I interrupted my friend finally. I said, you're right. I'm going to have this baby. And she, and she just said, well, of course you are. Like she just, in her mind, had just decided I was having this baby. 
She just she just loved me that much. How did your boyfriend at the time feel about that? You know, he was like most um, pro-choice people today where they're, you know, where the men are, well, it's your decision. So mm-hmm. he was just, you know, okay, whatever I decided. But I will give him this, that when I told him I was going to have the baby, he he was a very accepting about that. And if anything, he did ask me, are you sure about this? Because I'm going to tell my mom and she's going to be happy mm-hmm. um, that you're having, you know, that she's having another grandchild. Mm-hmm. And if you change your mind, it will devastate her. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, no, I'm, I'm keeping this baby. Um, and so I did. I, I canceled that abortion appointment. Um, and and I never looked back. I immediately started to really love my baby. And it had the best pregnancy. And what was really unusual is that because I was such a believer in the sexual revolution and independence, the last thing in my mind was to ever get married or to ever have children. Oh, wow. I did not want children. I was definitely not the little girl, teenage girl that wanted to babysit your kids. (laughs) I had better things to do. Mm -hmm. I was not about having children. But, you know, I think it's just a natural instinct as soon as you accept the life of your child and you love them. And I just became a mama bear. And I just loved my baby and I love being pregnant to the point, actually, that when it was time to give birth, I was actually a little sad because I had to share him with the rest of the world. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I, I like where he's at. Like, he's all mine, you know. So um, but yeah, I just I love him. I have a 20 year old son today. and he's, wow. he's the light of my life. I love him. Well, you were you found yourself a single mom with a newborn. Uh, that is not an easy job. What happened next? You know, um, I ended up, I was still not following Christ at this point. And I was definitely a person that if you said, do you know Jesus? I probably had some choice words for you mm. uh, and shut, you would shut the door in your face kind of a person. Um, but I found myself at this point getting depressed. Um, mm. I don't know if it was postpartum depression or if it was just literally the darkness in my life. Mm. I wasn't married. My, my uh, son's father never proposed, never wanted to be married. Um And at the time, I had taken a new job at an HIV wellness center where we provided holistic and really a lot of new age services to people living with HIV. So I sought out new age therapies to help me through my depression. Mm -hmm. So this makes me think about what Kathy was talking about with her daughter uh, writing this paper, this thesis paper about visions and dreams. Um, I just want you to understand what a hardened person I was. Yeah. And um, so... As, but I was very depressed, and as I started going to Indian gurus, Reiki masters, mm. uh, all kinds of things, each time I did one of those things, I heard a small, still voice that would say, don't go in there. Mm. And I actually thought I was going crazy. I thought, wow, I'm hearing things in my mind. Like, I'm really bad off, so I would still go in there. Wow. And it happened several times over a few months And I honestly don't know how this happened, except that it was a God thing. But every time I was there, I would have a vision. I'd have a vision of Jesus or of God and being with me and my son, actually not even my son's father, but it was, he was protecting me. And one weekend, I realized that. I realized that it was God that was speaking to me. I realized that it was God that was creating a barrier between me and whatever spirits were there in energy healing or whatever it was. And I just cried. I I sobbed for hours at this realization that there was this God that could love me, someone who rejected him, someone who had done all kinds of things, was so angry, and yet he was there meeting me where I was at and protecting me. 
And there was only one church that I knew of in Austin, and it's because they had a bumper sticker on pretty much what seemed to be every car in Austin. <laughs> and that was the church I went to. I went straight to that church on a Sunday. I picked up my son. He was one year old at the time, and I went by myself with my son to this church. And at the end of the sermon, the pastor did an altar call and said, you know, things like, do you just, are you tired of your life? Or do you want freedom? Do you, you know, I don't remember everything he said, but I knew I wanted all of those things. And so... I went down to the altar and I accepted Christ and I prayed it and I and then I got my son. I went back home to my boyfriend and I didn't know church lingo. And so I said, I think what just happened is I think I just got saved. <laughs> and, and I described it to him and he's like, yeah, I think I think that you did. How did and you receive that? He just received it just like that. Like, yeah, I think you did. And that was it. But I'll tell you what, Evelyn, I I was so committed to God after that. I mm-hmm. never stopped going to church, and I kept taking my son with me. He was just a baby. He was just a year old. And I dove into the Word of God so much on a daily basis, worship music, anything I could do. I was so thirsty for him. And the closer I got to God, the further away my son's father Mm-hmm. Let, you know, went away from us. So about a year after, he ended up leaving us. Um, How did your parents receive that part of it? The coming to Christ? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they my they were okay with it. Okay. They weren't against the Lord. They yeah. were they. I was actually baptized Catholic as an infant, mm-hmm. but they were very harmed by the church, and so they didn't want to return. Mm-hmm. And so they accepted that I accepted Christ and that I was going to church, but I don't know that it meant anything to them. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but it meant everything serious. to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I just I, I love this, and I'm so aware that you know we have have only about three minutes left in this segment. We have one more segment, so I, I want to dive into this and and share what God is doing through you today. And so he used this unplanned pregnancy to get your attention and and, and bring you to a place where you had to make a life-changing decision. And you made a decision that changed your life, which Mm -hmm. is awesome. Um, You went to church. You you listened to his voice. You responded to his voice. Mm -hmm. And, And it amazes me that everything that the world was trying to convince you was a bad thing, God actually used for a blessing and, and that has turned out to be one of your greatest joys, your son. And, and so he, he's so good that way. And, and if you're willing, Monica, I'd, I'd like to um, to give our friends a peek into your, your previous life a little bit deeper. You talked about the high-risk populations, the, the IV drug users, the homeless, the, the sex workers, uh, that you saw Planned Parenthood turning a blind eye to sex trafficking victim, victims and were simply told that these young girls wouldn't change and that there was no point in intervening. And you saw a really dark side of society and um, you saw many innocent, hurting, helpless people continue to suffer at the hands of those who were help, meant to help them and, and, and make a difference in their lives. And so there were lots of volunteers like you, and there still are, yet now you're bringing compassion and loving truth of God's word to everyone you help. So how can, how can we do the same? How can we step out knowing that, that there are these, these people that are living in these dark and, and sometimes hopeless environments? How, how can Evelyn and Carrie and I, and how can our listeners make, make a difference? And, and how can we start with our own family and, and impact our community? I think one of the first things that I'm noticing, even within um, the, our, our body of Christ, is to is to truly 
be committed to God's design mm-hmm. for marriage for, for us as individuals, male and female, marriage and family, and in in that order. You know, we have God, we have marriage, we care for our children, and we cannot compromise the word of God. And that's when I say that if you have compassion, but without God's truth, it can lead to destructive paths. Mm -hmm. So as Christians, I hear so many times that it is the compassionate thing to accept this or to tolerate this or to affirm this. Things that we know are against God's will for us. And it's it's very much because he knows he's designed us. He's our author. He's our creator. He put all these pieces together. Uh, he put all these pieces together, you know, and in this day and age, it's just, it, it It shouldn't surprise me, but it's amazing. I think, wow, I never thought we'd really have to focus on the scripture that says he made us male and female. <laughs> you know, I mean, there is a reason because God knew. And, and I think what we need to understand is to be strong in his word and that our compassion and our love, it's been given to us as an example, even by God that we can use that to help a hurting population. Mm-hmm. It's not about legalism at all. It's meeting people where they're at, like Jesus met the Samaritan woman or the woman who was about to be stoned. Um, meet them where they're at, love them, and lead them into the life of Christ. I love that. Mm-hmm. Friends, I, it kills me that we have to go to break, but I won't, I, you know, I love our sponsors, and I really want you to hear from them, hear what, what they can do to help you right where you're at, um, whether it is um, fixing your yard up a little bit or whatever your needs happen to be. Friends, stay with us. We are going to uh, have Monica in our last segment just uh, pull the curtain back on a few things that I know that you're going to be so so interested to hear Stay with us. We'll be back with you in just a few minutes right after this. Hello, friends. Welcome back to today's Christian Talk. You have found the love ladies. Coach Carrie Brinkader here in studio with the first lady of love, Miss Evelyn Davison, and our beautiful friend, Kathy Enderbrock. So grateful and thankful that she is here. And our wonderful guest, Monica Klein, who has shown us and told us her beautiful story. Monica, first of all, I I know how hard it is to make a radical change in your life and not just hard, but it's, it takes courage and it takes bravery to do that, to go back to the places and say, you know what? I don't believe this anymore. I'm going to, I'm going to step back from this and I'm going to start something new. Uh, and you know what? The only way to do that is through Jesus Christ. And you found that. I love these verses, uh, this verse in Isaiah 52, 2. Shake off your dust. Rise up. Sit enthroned, O Jerusalem. Free yourself from the chains on your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. Mm -hmm. Boy, that day at that church, those chains just came off your neck. And you were instantly freed and you dove into the word. Uh, so I, I so appreciate your honesty and, and uh, sharing not only your pain, but your but your joys through You're that welcome, through that you. experience. Well, you know, it takes a family. It takes a family to rear children today. And one of the things that is so important is that we educate our children about family mm-hmm. and um, uh I think the thing is, it takes what it takes 
a family. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, you know, and I want to make sure I got that right. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's the name of my organization that I created. Uh, it takes a family, and I'll tell you why I named it that, Evelyn. Um, in my years of working with, collaborating with, and then training Planned Parenthood as a Title Ten training manager, one of the things that they always said, and you'll still hear it today, even with gender ideology, they say that parents are a barrier to service. Mm. And I'm seeing that in legislation today when they are trying to pass laws that will uh, allow children to have puberty blockers and all these, you know, basically transition them into what they believe will be another gender. Um, and the law, the, the policies, the bills that they're proposing actually says that uh, children deserve access to health care and that parents are a barrier to that. Oh my and so that's why I named this organi- organization It Takes a Family because I'm seeing that this whole movement is really about destroying marriage and family. Mm-hmm. It is about not allowing parents and not trusting parents to be their children's greatest advocates and educators and their sole authority. And so um, so that's why I formed It Takes a Family, because I want parents to reclaim parenthood. I want them to understand that they are the expert. And if they just lack a big, bit of education, I am so happy to coach them through that. Um, currently, I'm developing pr- uh, different online programming for parents. Um, but in the meantime, they can contact me through my website, ittakesafamily.org, or email me, monica at ittakesafamily.org, and I would be happy to coach them if necessary. Um, I can also, if you want to invite me to your community or to your church and do a presentation, I would do that. Many parents have said, will you come and educate our children? And I say, no, I will not. (laughs) Um, I will not educate your children because it takes a family. It takes parents. When, If I were the one to teach your children, um, one, I don't have a relationship with them. Number two, I won't be there for them next week, next month, or next year, or 10 years from now, but you will. And they deserve and they need for their parents to lead in their home, in the community, and through policy. And so that, so really, It Takes a Family is a lot about making parent leaders, um, parents leaders. I want them to lead uh, and be strong. What I'm getting is that many parents are calling me from all over the nation um, where basically their children are condescending towards their parents now, saying you don't get it because you're a Christian. You don't get it because you're an older generation. And that is the message that they're getting at school. That is the message they're getting from Planned Parenthood and all these different ideologies, that parents are out of touch. And so what I do with It Takes a Family is that I will teach the parents things that maybe you don't want to hear, but I want to teach you about the culture. I want you to understand the data uh, of why this culture is harming our children and our families and our society. And I will help you to understand that so that when your parent, when your child comes home from school and they say, well, you don't get it, you don't get this or you don't get that, the parent says, well, you know what, let's have a conversation about that because I do get it. Here is this researcher. Here is this. And here is the word of God. And all of a sudden, the parent becomes intelligent again. All of a sudden, <laughs> the kids are like, wow, mom and dad know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And they reestablish that relationship because all these different ideologies, including comprehensive sex education, if you were to read the curriculum, if you were to see the policies that they're trying to pass, Mm -hmm. they are basically trying to take power away from the parent. But here's the key. The way God has set it up is that parents are naturally powerful. We are the most powerful um, you know, people in our children's lives. And so uh, that is why It Takes a Family is so important because I want parents to know that. I want them to know that they're powerful. And guess who knows that they're powerful? 
Planned Parenthood. Mm -hmm. That's why they say parents are a barrier. They expose themselves when they say that um, because they know that the parent has the power or the power to mold their child and to protect them from the world. So that's what it takes a family is about is I want to encourage and equip uh, parents to be leaders in their home and in the culture and also through policy because we're seeing a lot of these hap- things happening because we don't have Christian conservatives running for office or taking government positions that are making these decisions in education and for and in healthcare. So it's really important that we begin to engage the culture and be leaders in the culture. I love that. And, you know, the thing that woke me up to all of this was I got actually a Facebook notification about the Austin ISD board Mm -hmm. uh, passing a horrific new sex education curriculum that began even as early as third grade that included teaching 11-year-old boys how to have more safe and comfortable homosexual encounters. And literally when I shared that, I had people going, oh, that's fake news. That's fake news. And I thought, did I just post fake news? I don't think so. So I actually called the organization that posted it. I said, is this accurate? And how how can I show the people that are on my Facebook page that this is accurate? So they walked me through the, the minutes from the board and the proposed curriculum told me what page to go to. And so mm-hmm. I posted that on my Facebook page. And I, I mean, I had parents that were like, I cannot believe this. And I know there, it's not just Austin, it's California. They are doing a the hard nation. press all mm-hmm. over the nation. So I love that you say, one, we need to, we need to, as parents, get involved, get involved in the schools, get involved in the leadership positions, vote. We need to vote for those Voting Christians is so important. who are running. And vote for your school board. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just get involved, get engaged and engage your kids and continue mm-hmm. to get engaged. Um, and Monica, I, I just love it. Can you just tell our listeners again exactly how to get a hold of you? You said your your email is Monica at it takes a family dot org. Fantastic. And they can also find you at www.ittakesafamily.org to ask they can ask questions. They can get resources there. You do right. make time to go and speak to audiences and groups I to do. train up the parents so that they can then go and train the children. Do you have some brief ideas for parents in, in very um, practical ways they can help right now? I think one of the things that I want parents to remember is that sex education does not have to be graphic. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was speaking to some parents in Oklahoma, uh, you know, they, they look like children themselves because they're like, oh, you know, I was asking them, why is it so hard for you to talk to your children about sex? And, and they said, well, because it's so graphic. And I allowed them to answer all their questions uh, or uh, have all their answers. And so I, I pointed out to them, do you realize that you have fallen for the same um, you know, beliefs that Planned Parenthood wants you to believe is that you have to be graphic. I said, let's take it back to the Bible and let's see how God spoke to us about intimacy between a, a man and a woman, a husband and a wife. He was never graphic about it. Um, you know, uh, the approach that I took with my son was gradual. Every child is different, which is why sex education is a curriculum. I sometimes, I'm not saying it's bad. Um, I think there's a, a lot of good sexual risk avoidance, which is abstinence curriculums out there. They're amazing. So if you really want something like that in your school, you can advocate for that instead of comprehensive sex education. But in the home, 
I take my cues from my son. And so, for example, um, when he would have questions throughout his life, elementary into junior high and high school, um, he would ask me a question about his body or, or just whatever it was or about babies. And I would tell him, I'm going to answer your question to what I believe is appropriate for your age right now, what you need to know right now. I said, but even as I answer that question, if you are uncomfortable and you feel like I've gone too far, I want you to hold up your hand and say, that's enough. And I won't ask you any questions. I won't question it. And we can go off and do something else. And at least three times in his life, he actually raised his hand. He said, mommy, that's enough. Because he wasn't ready, and that's okay. Now, there's other children who you might answer their question, and they're like, hmm, tell me more, tell me mm-hmm. more, and that's okay. Um, it really is, you know your your children best, and so that that's what's important. Monica, what a joy you are. I, I thank you for bringing us your story and uh, showing us how real Jesus is and what what a blessing you are. It takes a family.org listeners um, and Monica at it takes a family.org. What a defining decision Monica made in her life. You know, and I love that that she shared that it started with that unplanned pregnancy. Mm-hmm. But her life completely changed when she went to church and re- she listened. She responded to her that ears prompting. responded to the call of God. Yeah. I just love that. And so, friends, this is, you know, we, we tell you this when we join you on Saturday that, you know what, tomorrow is Sunday. And there are some amazing churches uh, in the Austin, Round Rock, Pflugerville, Georgetown area, you know, San Marcos, there there are some incredible churches. You want a church that teaches the word of God. Okay. Friends, we share this verse from John 1, 14. It says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. This is who we want you to know. We want you to know the Son of God, Jesus, full of grace and truth, who wants to take every decision of your life and make it a good one, even if it started out as a bad one. Friends, find a church. Go and engage tomorrow. Listen to what the Word of God is saying. Um and admit that you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and confess confess your faith in Jesus Christ. It has been such a fantastic time with you today. Friends, we look forward to next Saturday. And this is Kathy Enderbrock and with Coach Carrie Brinkater and the beautiful Miss Evelyn Davison and today Miss Monica Klein. We look forward to being with you next Saturday on Love Talk.